Welcome to OECD Podcasts, where policy meets people. Can you afford your rent or to buy a new home for your family? If you're living in a city and your answer is no, then you're not alone. After all, house prices have been soaring everywhere, not just in the usual global hubs like Paris and New York, but in cities like Copenhagen, Dublin, Sydney, Seoul, Toronto. The list goes on. In fact, more and more people complain that they just cannot afford to live in their cities anymore. Instead, they are being squeezed further and further out, even if this means costly commutes, worse public services, and more stress. No one really wins from this, but middle classes and people on lower incomes, as well as young job seekers, clearly lose. No wonder affordable housing is now such a burning issue at election time. But can policymakers do anything about it? How can they help make housing affordable for everyone again? I'm Rory Clark. To help us understand some of these issues a bit more clearly and to see what can be done, I'm delighted to be joined by Anna Bailau, who's Deputy Mayor of Toronto. Welcome, Anna. Thank you. Pleasure. Your particular interest is in housing. Tell us exactly what you do. Well, I'm chair of the Planning and Housing Committee of the City of Toronto and I'm very passionate about housing. I think that if you want to create opportunity for citizens, create opportunity for a city, you need to tackle this housing issue. But Toronto is the biggest city in Canada? It is. Uh, 2.8 million people. We have uh, 50% of the population born outside the city. We speak over 140 languages coming from over 180 countries. So a wealth of multiculturalism and growing very fast. In the next 20 years, we're going to be growing by a million people. So the growth and how we respond to that growth is imperative for the success of the future of the city. And how is the real estate market and the housing market in Toronto, is it particularly more heated there than anywhere else in Canada? Uh, well, they're the two biggest cities in Canada, uh, Vancouver, Toronto, have serious uh, housing issues, housing affordability and affordable housing issues. Uh, Toronto, because of its growth, has uh, a big challenge, but it has a very robust uh, real estate market. I mean, right now we have over 140 cranes up in the air. We have more construction than New York, Chicago and L.A. So there's a lot of construction happening in the city. The real estate is a robust real estate market. But the challenge is how do we keep that affordability and how do we, you know, keep people being able to live in in the city? That's the question that citizens are asking. How can I afford? I very often say to people, you know, I wouldn't be able to afford my own home today. Is this the kind of city that we want to be building? Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you have all those cranes. That means that there's money to be made in, in the real estate market in Toronto. What's your approach to keep housing affordable? Uh, well, I think that there's different approaches that we're, that we've been taking. Um, first of all, we understand that there's different points of the housing spectrum that that have issues. We go uh, all the way from our social housing stock, which is an age stock that needed repairs. We had a $2.8 billion repair backlog, and we haven't built social housing in the city since the 90s. So we are the largest landlord in the country, second largest in North America, but we haven't been a very good landlord. And so we lobbied the other orders of government hard. We invested our own money, and now we have a capital campaign that is funded and that we hope that governments uh, will continue 
continue to, to fund in the years ahead because it's not done. So maintaining the existing stock of social housing is really important. Maintaining the stock of the most affordable units is really important. So we've just passed legislation, for example, to preserve rooming houses. So a lot of the time with gentrification, people buy houses that used to be rooming houses, some of the most affordable stock. And that's gone and it becomes a one big mansion for one family and you lose eight, 10, 12 very affordable rooms. We're now protecting that. We're now creating legislation that protects those rooms. We have rental replacement legislation. So if you buy anything with over six units of rental, you need to replace that. That has been another issue that we've had in the city. We haven't had a lot of rental being built. We're now starting to see a shift in that, and we hope that that really takes off because our vacancy rate is less than 1%. Meaning that's a pretty tight market. Very tight market, and obviously it has an impact in prices. Where in the city are those zones that you have? We are having actually a lot of development happening in the downtown core. We have been successful in uh, having uh, not only commercial buildings being built in our downtown core, but a lot of uh, residential being built in the downtown core. So uh, the important thing is that we haven't been able up to now to uh, bring the uh, affordability into it. And so we are now uh, developing a tool that is called inclusionary zoning. Uh, We needed uh, provincial authorization to have that done. We got it uh, and we are now in the process of receiving uh, to to draft the bylaws and that will allow us to require the developers uh, in a certain kind of building to have a number of units that are affordable. And so it's smart development and smart planning on the city's part, I believe. The word affordable housing is a bit of a mantra. We hear it quite a lot in different cities now. How do you define affordable in Toronto? Do you have a working definition? or? So we do. Um, it's something that we are currently working on as well. Uh, Toronto is uh, currently developing our 10-year housing plan. We have one that is coming to an end and we're now in the middle of developing the 2020-2030 housing plan. And we're talking about actually looking at the definition of affordable housing because it's confusing out there. And I think in some cases, uh, you can say a little bit misleading because don't people don't understand, are we talking about social housing, public housing, workforce housing? A lot of people call workforce housing some of the affordable housing that is now being created. Because like I mentioned before, Canada has not produced social housing since the 90s. We've been producing affordable housing, which is very much workforce housing. What we now have is a great opportunity because our federal government created the National Housing Strategy, and that has different kinds of programs, including a national housing benefit, including grants and loans opportunities to create and being able to build the stock. And this will allow, for example, municipalities to leverage these programs to create deeper affordability. So, for example, the City of Toronto, through a program that we've just launched called Housing Now, is now putting municipal land available to create affordable housing. So instead of saying this land is surplus, we're going to sell it and get some money, we are actually saying no, we're putting out a request for proposals to partner with the nonprofit sector and the private sector. We're going to continue to own the land. We're targeting most of these pieces of land to be 99-year-old leases to create the affordability and uh, the the deepest affordable housing that, that we can get. And with that, we can actually leverage uh, the other subsidies from the other governments. You start creating deeper and deeper affordability when you start stacking these different programs. How do you keep the private sector interested? What we're starting to see is that uh, a lot of developers understand that, not all of them, unfortunately, but a lot of them are starting to understand that it is important to build cities that 
work. That if we don't build cities that work and we start pushing people away, especially the human capital that we have, which is the best asset that we have as a city, we are now attracting investment from all over the world. We have, you know, tech companies coming from all over the world. We need to understand that governments need to play a role, both through legislation, but also through investment, through making sure that, you know, you have that land, you create things like land trusts, that you continue to invest in your stock, that you keep your stock, that you leverage some of that uh, stock to create even more stock. These are important things that governments need to to do. We don't build our way out and we don't fund our way out. We need to have both tracks. Do you have any particular policies aimed at young people? I think that there's two areas that are important. We have a lot of affordable home ownership programs and a lot of that young families take advantage of that. But nowadays, what we're starting to see is that a lot of young people are comfortable not owning and being more available for rental. So I think that even though it doesn't say dedicated to young people, I think that making that available, that option available and having initiatives and policies that actually increase the available stock of rental that protect renters and tenants are definitely things that we need to take in consideration and and that I know that affects particularly young people. What about the edge of Toronto and beyond the centre? Are People are moving away, but is that giving rise to new settlements, new destinations, centres of creativity? There's a, a city very close to Toronto, uh, Hamilton, that is actually being welcoming a lot of uh, people from Toronto. Now, they've definitely seen the creative creative cluster being born in there, but they've also have seen now and are dealing with increased prices in their own community as well because of that is what's happening in Toronto is now translating to, and having a cascade effect in some other communities where people are living as well. So the need also to start looking at the issue as a more regional is also important. What, what advice would you give other policymakers in your situation? Is there one gem of advice you would give them? Just that we need to collaborate more together. I think that this is an issue that we uh, we face in a lot of urban centers. Like I said, it's not the responsibility of one purview of government, but definitely not the responsibility of the nonprofit sector or the private sector. We need to come together and leverage each other on how to, what, what can we bring to the table. The status quo is not acceptable. Um, pushing people out of cities is not acceptable. We need to maintain livable cities. We need to build livable cities. And I think this is going to be and will continue to be a major issue in in urban centers around the world. And people will demand it to be. So you say you're an optimist? I am. I'm always an optimist. Uh, I'm always uh, I always feel like there is hope. I think if I didn't feel that, I wouldn't be doing this job. <laughs> uh, but I do feel like this is a complex issue. I'm a, a very strong believer that housing is a human right and that uh, people have the right to adequate housing. And I think that if we all start looking at the issue this way, we're going to have better policies created. And and I think that we're going to start seeing some movement around this. Anna Bailao, Deputy Mayor of Toronto, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm Rory Clark, and thank you for listening to OECD Podcasts. To listen to other OECD podcasts, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and soundcloud.com slash OECD. OECD.